Today's ad is brought to you by Kensington's newest title, A Letter to Three Witches by Elizabeth Bass. Bewitched meets practical magic in this bubbly, quirky romantic comedy with an enchanted twist from acclaimed author Elizabeth Bass. When romance problems cause their powers to go berserk, a trio of witches whose family was banned from practicing magic risk getting in serious trouble with the Grand Council of Witches. Can they get their magic and their love lives in order before it's too late? Read more at www.kensingtonbooks.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Girls Like Us. This is the podcast that asks the question, what does a literature degree get you? And Franny, we've never done this before. What what did a literature degree get you? Well, of course it got me a podcast about books for children. They actually there handed we that go. to me <laughs> I actually at the stage. With your diploma, I kind of came yeah. alive and was like, here's this other thing. Did you have the thing in high school where I don't know why no one told me this, but where you didn't actually... I was scared because when you I opened the thing that I thought was the diploma, there's no <laughs> diploma in it, and I was like, "What the hell?" Like, like <laughs> did no you one not go to rehearsal? That. We did, but we didn't. We didn't talk about. They didn't that. tell you. Interesting. No. Yeah, that was a big thing. I think it's because I went to school like an all girls school that was very just like mm-hmm. anxious in nature. Like they were mm-hmm. very clear. They were like, "This is not your real diploma. Like you will yeah. get your real diploma. Like don't worry. Like all of you are graduating." Yeah. Um, Speaking of women doing fun things, I have a couple different things we could talk about, um, all mm-hmm. of them residing on Netflix. Have you seen cool. Inventing Anna yet? No, not yet. Oh, my God. Okay, well, then I I guess I'm going to have to save. I've been I, – I I'll will watch say, it. I'll watch it. Yeah. I have a – like, my Anna Delvey impression is pretty good. Um, oh, can I hear it now just for a taste? Yeah, I got to kind of warm up into it. Give me one sec. <clears throat> So this is a bit that I've been doing, Nick and I have been doing, where we play Anna Delvey talking about, um, Anna Delvey talking about NFTs. Mm. So, like, I was talking, and it was like, he took all of my apes, and it was like, an ape is like a thing where it's like, it's like a monkey, right? But then it has all of your accessories. My monkey had Chanel glasses. My monkey had a little hat. It's a very cool monkey. But then he took all of my apes. My dad has my trust fund, and my dad in my trust fund put a bunch of apes. That's So that's my, yeah, that's my, um... My Anna Delvey impression. If you guys, you know, feel free if you know any agents. Like, if Lena Dunham's still going to do her Anna Delvey story, I would love to, like, be like, Anna's gained weight in prison. Like, now she's (laughs) this girl. Um, I would love to uh, play that angle of the character. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you seen the new season of Love is Blind? No. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Disappointment after disappointment. Guys... (laughs) I have nothing but recommendation to give the newest season of Love is Blind. (laughs) These people are even worse than the last people they got for this show. Like, we're talking, like, um, there's, like, a guy who is just, like, openly playing two of the women. And every time Mm -hmm. they get in the room, he's like, what are you wearing? (laughs) And it's, like, it literally turns into, like, like, verbal sex through the little, like, blinky wall that they have. the confessional wall. Yeah, like it's, it seems like they're literally like in like confession. Like, <laughs> did you ever father. like go to any kind of confession? No, because oh. I'm not. I've never been Catholic, but I know. But you seem to have a you seem to have a a uh, familiarity with the vernacular. Um, it's because um, we were Episcopalian, so that's right. Catholic Catholic light. 
Right. So yeah. they don't, you know, they don't really do yeah. any We do sort like, of, tran- um, yeah. It's like not transubstantiation or anything, so. You know, I know that you, as somebody raised in a, in a um, an Episcopalian faith, like, you guys believe mm-hmm. in, like, the logical thing of, like, you know, making any sort of, like, sinful confessions directly to God through prayer, right? Yeah, you don't need, like, an intermediary. Right, exactly. Yeah. So my theory about this is, is that it's less scary to, like, in your head be like, hey, God, like, I fucked my, my husband's, or I fucked my husband's brother. Right, you know? yeah. Than it is to like you know literally say it out loud. Mm-hmm. Like the Catholics, they want you to feel that fear. Like, yeah, they want you to feel that fear. They want you to interrogate maybe why you fear mm-hmm. confessing to sin as like maybe a means of reinforcing. Have like, they considered that confessing to sin involves you having to talk to a man, and maybe that's why? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So I only have like two or three confessional experiences. Mm-hmm. And there's this funny thing that happens where, like, you have the option always, or at least in my experience, of doing it through that screen. Yeah. Or doing it, like, face-to-face. Like, they sit in a little chair behind the screen, and you can choose to go join them behind the screen, (laughs) or you can choose to, like, go in front of the screen. So they're basically, like, they're also kind of functioning as, like, the dealer, or the banker in Deal or No Deal. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, there is, like, an element of mystique. Mm -hmm. You can press that button to raise it up or not. Yeah, and I remember, like, my first confession I remember very, very... Vividly. And I think mm-hmm. it was because of this, like, level of anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. And they gave us, you know, like, they, at, like, a confession event, usually, at least in my experience, they'll have multiple priests working mm-hmm. it. So that, like, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like a you confession can your, event. You, well, it's you, like, I thought, I thought you could kind of always go in there. So, like, there was always a guy stationed. So, not in my experience. Like, usually churches have, like, certain hours where, like, a guy mm-hmm. is, like, hanging out back there. Like, yeah, it's, like, study like, hours. Exactly. Frats, it's, like, he has right. to be there. Right, exactly. It's, like, you you get, like, a schedule at the beginning of the week yeah. that's not on, like, you know, like, oh, like, you're going to be waiting tables 1 through 10 this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, so he, like, there were, like, maybe, like, four different priests to deal with all of these, like, eight-year-olds doing their first confessions. And Mm -hmm. there was a new priest at my church at the time uh, who was, like, literally had just graduated from, like, priest school. And uh, very appropriately, his name was Father Young. And Father Mm -hmm. Young, I remember, was, like, to an eight-year-old, like, very, like, sexy. Mm -hmm. Because he was, like— um, like, I remember him giving a homily one time where he was like, you know, sometimes when I drink, like, the sacrament, I wish in my mouth it would just turn into Mountain Dew. Like, <laughs> like, that. like, I remember that very vividly. Like, he was, like, like the cool new guy on the block. Yeah. So you had to go get in line with, like, the priest that you wanted to confess to. Mm-hmm. And, of course, all of the eight-year-olds lined up for Father Young, right? right? Um, and you but- got everyone had to confess no matter what. You have everyone is sinned, I guess. Exactly. The the running assumption is that at any time you would probably have new things to confess because like we're sinning constantly. Um, you know, according to like Catholic theology, whatever. And so I remember like literally everybody's in line with Father Young, like all of the Mm -hmm. other guys, like literally 
no, none of the eight-year-olds want them, which, like, think of how humiliating that must be as yeah. a priest where, like, you're like, wow, like, the new guy literally just moved in on my territory and now, like, none of these kids, like, right. <laughs> give a fuck about me. Yeah. Um. So there's also this really interesting, like, social phenomenon that happens where it's, like, you kind of feel bad about going behind the screen because yeah. you, like, you know there's a guy in there. So, like, right. you want to, like, have that anonymity while you're, yeah. like, telling the sins of an eight-year-old. I believe, like, what I confessed to was that I used to do this thing as a kid where I would stay up really late at night reading and I would chew. I, like, had, like, a secret pack of gum, like, in my <laughs> nightstand, and I would chew the gum and then I would stick it to the bottom of my bed when I was done with it. So That's, like, not even a sin. Actually, you're totally right. That's absolutely not like, a I'm sin. Like, I'm, like, just trying to connect it to a sin. Gluttony. <laughs> Probably. Gum. Gluttony. Gummony. Gummony. <laughs> yeah. Gum-related gluttony. Yeah. That's wild, actually. I've lust, never— I've, Lust for gum. Lust for gum. <laughs> Cannot. Like, I remember being so ashamed. Like, this was the big thing yeah. that I was going to confess, where I was like, oh, my yeah. God. Like, because I remember, like, every single day was my worst fear that my parents were going to find the gum. Um, <laughs> They'd be like, what? What is this? <laughs> because it was so much gum. Like, imagine, like, chewing gum every single night and sticking it in the same place. Like, my bed yeah. frame was covered in gum. Yeah. And I remember the big thing at the time was that I was worried, A, that I was going to confess it to God and, like, mm-hmm. that that was going to be, like, this huge issue. And then, B, it would cause me to get coal from Santa. Like, that was <laughs> – those were the two anxieties. Yeah. Um, it was all, I guess, maybe greed-related, too, because I was worried that it was going to, like, affect my bottom line with yeah. Santa. Um So I remember I'm in line for this and everybody's like, you know, like kids are coming out and you're like, did you like do the screen or did you like go Mm -hmm. sit next to him? And everybody's like, I felt like I had to go sit next to him. So I'm so anxious. Mm -hmm. Like, and I like, like, it's so funny because like, what the fuck does the screen do? Right. You start to like question that where it's like, it's even worse because it's like, you have this love is blind thing where you're like, right. Except they know who you are. Unless you like mask your voice. (laughs) Yeah. You're like they like have like going, a like a distorter uh, in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I ate a bunch of gum and then I <laughs> stuck it to the bottom of my bed. But wow, Franny, I feel like I got more just now out of our conversation than I did out of that confession with Father Young. He should have told me that that wasn't a That's sin. That's not a sin. Yeah, was he like, "Thank you, my child"? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. He was like, "Yeah, you need to work on that." He's like, "I'll get back to you in a few business days about whether or not that is a sin." Right. He was like, "I need to go like read the Bible to figure out if that's yeah. a sin." I remember the second time I went to, I was actually, this is fucked up. Mm -hmm. My school would tell you that they didn't force us to do it, but they absolutely forced us to do confession Mm -hmm. like once a year. Yeah. Like, and imagine like that's such a bad environment. Like you can, there was no like secret safe space. Like it was not behind a closed door. Like you kind of just lined up to walk behind like the chapel into like the little priest recreation room where like a guy <laughs> the foosball was foosball table. Yeah. Like where a guy you've never seen before is waiting for you. Like, and yeah. I, like that's kind of pervy, right? To like, yeah. like a bunch of high school girls, like going and telling this dude, like their sins one by right. one. And I remember he was like, I was like, um, like he was like, all right, like, what do you want to confess? And I was like, you know, just like, lying to my parents or something like that. Yeah. Like, I think I like, He's sp- like about what? Yeah, literally, he was. He literally was. He was like, say more. And I was like, but, like, I got the sin part out of it. And he Mm -hmm. was like, I feel like you have more on your chest. And I was like, I go to therapy for this. I don't, like, come and, like, 
tell yeah. you, like, lying to my parents about giving a bunch of blowjobs. Like, yeah. that's what you want from me, you sick fuck. Or, like, lying to my parents about, like, getting drunk and, like, making crazy decisions. Like, I'll do yeah. anything. Like, gross. I don't know. Yeah. And so I feel like Love is Blind would not be a good environment for me because I would be like, why don't we just, like, walk into the little room with the chair and hash this out face-to-face? Yeah. I don't want this love to be blind anymore. What no. about the one where they, like, are dressed up as animals? Did that one get very far? Oh I my never God. How did we not that. talk about this? Um, oh, my God. Um, who was just on The Masked Singer that mm. like, people walked out over? Mm-hmm. It was Giuliani. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. Maybe he can go on Love is Blind this it season. Was- it was who walked. Oh, that was the funny part. It was Ken, Ken Jong, Jong and yeah. Robin Thicke who walked out. Oh my god! And I'm god. like, if you're offending the sensibilities of Robin Thicke, who like famously wrote like a song that like caused people to realize what rape culture was, right, then like yeah. you, you've gone too far. And Ken Jong's like, I've been in vampire suck, but this is too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been in one of the worst movies ever. Yeah. Where? What's your thought? Actually, let's let's get in the time machine as we venture into the past for Gossip Girl. What are your thoughts, like, blurred lines? Like, it's catchy. That's, I feel the same way. The music video, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I know that bad things happened on the set of that music video oh, per really? Rana's book, but it's iconic. And Did I, you read her book? I haven't. I've read, like, any piece that aggregated it, I have mm-hmm. read. I actually, like, literally today went to Target, had my hand on it, almost mm. put it in my cart, was like, no— you no. don't need this. I almost bought that and the um, the oral history of the Real Housewives. I have that. We can send it to you. Yeah, I um, it's just because I'm going on a trip this week, and I was like, "What am I going to read?" But like, Sophie, you dumb bitch, like read your fucking law school assignments. You got like, yeah, or like do what I do, which is like I make it a treat for myself to kind of like I always spend like thirty dollars at the airport, right? Because I'm like, okay, I have yeah. to get a coffee. Even though I'm all, it's usually I'm flying to Cincinnati, which you're in the air for like literally like 15 minutes. And then they're yeah. like, all right, we're descending now. But um, you got to buy like a like charged Atlantic or something. Yeah, I I bought today actually as a treat for myself for not buying, <laughs> um, for not buying the books and also for not buying like anything else mm-hmm. except for like the, the literal cleaning items I needed. I bought um, the... Cosmo with Sydney Sweeney on the cover. They said, oh, yeah. and I bought it because they said there would be like a centerfold. There is no centerfold unless I'm totally mistaken. A centerfold of her? Yes. There was supposed to be like this like beautiful picture of her in the bath as the centerfold that I was going to kind of hang on my when, wall. Since when does Cosmo have a centerfold? Since Sydney Sweeney was on the cover and everybody, no matter like where they identify on the gender or sexuality spectrum, like wants to put it in Sydney Sweeney. I don't know. You don't want to put it to Sydney Sweeney? No. Why? What happened? I, because the euphoria stank. I know. Zendaya's but he, the only one who escapes from it. I disagree. I just like anytime I watch any clip from it, Sophie, my mind melts. I have, it's just I find I find every I find like it makes them all so much worse actors than I oh think my they God. all probably are. I have a horrible confession to make. As somebody who mm-hmm. over and over again has been like, I like euphoria is bad. I've tried. On the pod, uh, mm-hmm. I am fully— You're a youth head? Yeah, it hooked me, like, really yeah. hard. I don't know what happened. I still have only seen probably, like, four full episodes. <laughs> but now I'm watching it regularly, and I 
I'm hooked. I do skip, like, uh, Nick does watch it before me, though, and tell yeah. me, like, time marks to skip for, like, violence Drug, or, like, yeah. like, really, like, bad things. Yeah, like, when she was, like, started, like, intravenously injecting drugs, like, I skipped all of that. So I only see, like, the parts where, like, the girls are fighting, and so yeah. that's amazing. Like, it's only the parts where the girl's like, you're a fucking slut. You're a fucking fuck slut. Yes. You fucked my boyfriend, you fuck slut. And I'm Why literally— Why do you think I'm auditioning for Oklahoma? Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, you better be joking. I yeah. just, like, can't get over that she's, like, 30. Yeah, see, all of that to me, like, and I love the outfits. Like, I literally Google, like, this is what I do. I watch it when I'm on the treadmill at the gym, mm-hmm. and I'm literally sitting there with my phone in my hand typing, like, Euphoria Cat episode this outfit. Yeah. And I'm, like, literally being like, how much is this stuff? I'm going to buy it. The next day, I literally show up to law school, a full adult, trying to dress like the children from Euphoria. Like, it does get yeah. in your head like that. Especially yeah. because, like, not a lot of shows about outfits— because Euphoria is about outfits. Right. Not a lot of them have, like, a chubby girl. So anytime um, Barbie Ferrer is on screen, mm-hmm. I'm literally like, what is she wearing? I need to buy it. I'm like, yeah. please, somebody help me. Somebody yeah. help me. Like, um, You got to get into it. Yeah. But speaking of getting into it and people mm. wearing outfits. And blurred lines. And blurred lines. Um, let's talk about uh, what is this book called? Um, because I'm worth it. Because I'm worth it, Gossip Girl. We last week literally took pains to find a book with a with a Valentine's Day plotline. We were like, you know, we ended up being so miserable, as yeah. you know, if we if you listened to last week's app. Um, and there was one in front of us all along. I know. If we would have just looked, yeah. Here. Um, this book I had the fun experience of. Did you, I read this on Internet Archive? Where yeah. they have just like a scanned copy of the yeah. physical novel as it came Were out. Were there notes like, in it? Um, there weren't, but I love it because it's like it literally is like you can feel the age of the like the paper even yeah. through like the scan. It's it's very exciting. I would I would um, I would recommend it as a reading experience. Nice. I did the thing where I just like did text to speech because I was like yesterday I was like oh, I really. Like, don't have, like, I just want to listen to this, like, while I work. Mm-hmm. So I had Siri read it to me, male Siri. Yeah. Um, and he really nailed it. I need to do that because yeah. this book, like, this book is too long. And I know that it's the same length as all of the other Gossip Girl books, but mm-hmm. this book had a lot of filler. Like, before Nate goes to rehab, yeah. there's just some chapters where he's just, like, eating In the pizza. car. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you're like, okay, like, literally, did this really warrant five pages? Yeah. Also, there were also some- Chuck's gay in this one. This is they like yeah. he hasn't been in three books, and then they're like he's gay, and it's not artful, which no. why, what I expect it to be. But it's like they're literally like, man, Chuck's looking fucking gay lately. Oh wait, yeah. Chuck is gay. Like, congrats to the whole team. Yeah. Um, I genuinely don't understand. I don't know if I would have been able to keep reading these as a teen because I don't understand what's interesting about these books. It, the The biggest plot point in this one was Blair getting a haircut. That yes. literally probably took up 50% of the book. So she could look like Audrey Hepburn, which I don't think that happened on the show. Yeah. I no. don't think Leighton Meester was getting a little pixie cut. Um, pixie cuts on the brain, obviously, because I'm rewatching A&TM again. 
Um, I love when they do a little Mia Farrow cut though. It rarely, whenever they say they're going to do a Rosemary's baby cut, it doesn't, it's always like too long. I'm like, and then they have to bring in another guy to be like, okay, like we're going to fix it. And then the girl's like, if you touch my hair again, I will kill myself. Or time after time again, they're like, okay, okay, white girl, let's give you a big curly weave. And then uh, they're, they're crying throughout the whole thing. And then three weeks later, they're like, yeah, we got to take this out. Yeah. They're like, Uh, or it falls out. Like a couple girls had like, like weaves literally just fall out and it's like yeah yeah, because that's like god smiting you for giving a white girl a weave like it's just not okay one um one just sidebar real quick is we're watching season eight or nine um and the first photo shoot they did was on the dangers of smoking and so they do all this and it's like basically i mean the moral of it from their perspective is like smoking will give you cancer and cancer will make you lose your hair um, and that's ugly. Like, it's like the worst possible. Yeah. And and also all the things, some of them, it's like, some, like, I don't know. It's just whatever. Because I'm assuming they must have gotten backlash because last season all the girls were smoking. And then we get a shot of them at the house. And like, you can literally see on the side, like all of their cigarettes and like lighters and yeah. stuff. But then Tyra says it's a non-smoking season. Um which I just think is really funny because they're like, they're like obvious. They're like, people think you have to smoke to be glamorous. Um, and you, you don't. And that is why this will be a non smoking season of ANTM. Um, what the, and it's funny too, because it's like, they never showed them smoking on the show before. So it's not like it makes any difference to the viewer. Like they're literally just trying to torture these women. No, well, they, they did. I, I did notice, especially in the last season we watched, um, Jasmine season that it was like everyone was smoking all the time. Okay. Just when they're in the house though. I mean, not on set or anything, but right. Um, yeah. But Let um, these girls have something like they're literally being tortured. And then Tyra in this one, just like, I mean, there's a real like pretty equals good esque situation going on. What with, um, I don't know, but like, she like was like, um, some girl like came in and was supposedly a plus size model. She's like size six and they're like, she's losing weight. And they're like, she doesn't look good losing weight. And Tyra's like, actually that's a good message because you don't often hear that. And like, I'm like, what that losing weight makes you ugly too. Like, it's like not about like being happy with your current body. It's like, well, you can't become ugly. Right. Um, They're like, that's actually a great message. If we like call out this bitch for looking uglier when she gets skinnier, it's because you're not letting her like smoke, like her like routines all, her right. routine's all off. Like, she probably yeah. is, like, not getting hungry yeah. at the right times Whenever anymore. Whenever they have a plus-size model, they, like, truly, like, I, I have to be told that it's a plus-size oh, model. Oh, 100%. Because yeah. they also are not, like, and they've said this, like, th- those aren't girls who could work in the plus-size category. Because no. they're too skinny. Right. Yeah. It's just, anyway. like, a girl who, like, is not unhealthily underweight. Like, whenever they have just, like, a girl who is just, like, like the exact like when you go to the doctor like the how much you should weigh for right. how how tall you are it's just like that girl yeah exactly um anyway this book like i can't even there's just they like the book starts with this weird device where they decide that like there's going to be like peer mentors for the girls yeah. at school mhm and so naturally, Serena and Blair, both seniors, become the peer mentors for like a group of freshman girls that includes Jenny, mm-hmm. who, you know, famously got dumped by Nate in the last book. Yeah. And Jenny becomes friends with this girl named Elise, mm. who's like in her peer mentor group. And the two of them just like do a bunch of boring stuff. Like, well, they make out. 
Yeah, but first it's like, oh, well, we didn't talk about the Bobos. She basically, they are like paired up in a class together and they each have to, the teacher is like right about a part of your partner's body, which, okay. Yeah. Um, and Elise won't say what she written she wrote about, but later then they go bra shopping and uh, Jenny's trying to bras and she, and Elise is like, whoa, your Bobos are huge. <laughs> That's what I always used to call them when I was a kid. And then later she's like, when I wrote, about a body part of yours. I wrote about your Bobos. Um, And Jenny's like, okay, time to go. But this is what I'm talking about, is that could have started so much sooner because for the first three quarters of the book, they're literally just, like, going to, like, Henry Bendel to put on makeup together. Like, we get four chapters of them being like, let's go here now. Okay, let's go here now. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go there. Um, What do I make of it? I think that Elise is gay, I think that Jenny yeah. is not straight. Yeah. Basically, there, Elise is like, what do you want to practice kissing? And Jenny's like, okay. Yeah. Jenny's like, like, and Jenny's what? like so uninterested in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that because remember, like at the beginning of the book, when they're talking about like in their, in their peer mentor group, talking about like bodily insecurity mm-hmm. and like Jenny's like, oh, I've like, always, like, I've been thinking about getting a breast reduction because, mm-hmm. like, I've, I'm insecure about how big my boobs are. And it goes to Elise, and she's like, I never noticed how big your boobs were. I yeah. never even thought about your boobs. <laughs> Me, I never, as a person, ever looked at them. I never looked at them. Like, she, like, over and over again, we hear her being like, I never, and then, like, then she, like, writes a whole short story about Jenny's bobos, mm-hmm. which, like, her bobos. I felt so disgusting just saying that out loud. I need to yeah. go to confession. Yeah. Father Young's going to be like, that's bobos. not a sin. <laughs> what? what if you stick gum on your bobos? Then that's that a sin. That counts, I feel like. Yeah. 100%. Sticking gum anywhere it shouldn't be is yeah. like like straight to the, the deepest layer of right. hell. Um, yeah, so that's what happens with Jenny. I I don't care about this character. I don't. I still don't have like a... I still don't have a read on, like, mm-hmm. who she is. Right. And I think I think that some of that is because she is so, like, easily influenced by others around her. But I do feel like this is a big variation from the TV show, Jenny, who I remember having, like, innocence ruined, and then she was, like, goth. Yeah. And that's not really—Jenny's bouncing back pretty quickly in this book, and she sees a guy she likes at the drugstore and—or the department store, and Blair, like, helps set them up, and— I don't know. I mean, I think I thought the Elise stuff was like at least interesting. Um, and I felt bad for Elise. Yeah. Cause I was like that nothing worse than like a girl. I don't know. Like, yeah, like no. when she, yeah, I felt bad for her. Like when she's like, anytime you find yourself in a place of let's practice, practice kissing, kissing. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. Like, You'll be really cool in college. Just like, <laughs> just wait a few years. Just chill on it for a couple years. And how does how does Elise uh, connect to Blair? Does she? Yeah. Did you miss this? I totally missed this. Okay, Blair is like because her whole thing with is her life's purpose is getting into Yale. Yeah. Um, her dad oh, is, is she? Yeah, she's the daughter of. of she's this the daughter. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I. Yes. I. I did catch that because that was like at the very end of the book where like, yeah, this whole time Blair's only doing this peer mentoring thing so that she still looks good on her Yale applications. And Blair is going to get Mm re-interviewed by Yale because as you remember, she like kissed her last Yale interviewer and like threatened to kill herself. So like not a good look. 
Um, and the new interviewer is Elise's dad. So yeah, and he's like thirty five. No, he's like forty. He's like yeah. the age of Blair's dad, and he's um. At the beginning, she, like, thinks he's gay for some reason. I don't know why. And I really thought, because he said that he was going to be wearing a Yale tie, and when she meets him, he's, like, not. So I was like, this isn't going to be the guy. Like, it's just going to be some creep who's sitting on her. But it is this guy, and then he's, like, literally, like, they like, they literally almost fuck. Yeah. And Blair's like, I love being with this older man. Um, and stuff like this just starts to lose me with Gossip Girl because it just feels lazy. This is you what know? I'm talking about. Like, yeah. I don't understand. I don't know what would have hooked me on this as a teen because there's no murder. Right. There's no, That's why we got to get back into private because apparently there is a murder in private. Yeah. There's no mystery. Like, bury the lead. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wait a bit. Yeah, literally. Way to bury the lead on that one. There's no mystery. There's no murder. There's no, like, secrets. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's no explicit sex. Like, if this was sexier, like, if they were, like, like if they weren't cutting away every time the characters were having sex, like, if they were giving us a little, like, you mm-hmm. know, like, in this book, like, Dan and Vanessa have sex for the first time, and then Dan starts fucking this girl named Mystery. Yeah. Um, and, like, if they were, like, more explicit about the sex, like, this book would be ten times better. Because mm-hmm. right now it's, like— Vanessa looks at Dan and is like, want to do it? And Dan's like, totally. Uh-huh. And then it's like, we skip a chapter. Yeah. And it's like, no, like, what are they doing? Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. Like, um, what does it look like? Yeah. What the, they- the the whole Blair thing. What did you think about the the haircut? I, I just thought it was so weird that why were they? And I don't think that this character would get a short haircut ever. No. Even if she wanted to look like Audrey Hepburn. She does not seem like the type to do no, so. No, I don't think so either. I don't care. Listen, guys, a book is not a visual medium. No. A haircut, we don't know what she looks like. Yeah, like a haircut is not interesting in a book. In a TV show, a haircut, excellent. Like mm-hmm. give us a dramatic change. Let us see how it plays out. Let us see how like yeah. the character's body language and identity shifts based on the haircut. In a book, you can't do that. It's all, it's the opposite of show, don't tell. You can't show me anything about the character getting her haircut. You just have to tell me every chapter. Like, as a reminder, remember, Blair got her haircut. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that doesn't do, that doesn't do the amount of work that the author clearly thinks it does. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think, like, I don't know, the Blair stuff, we're kind of running into a problem that we ran into with, Pretty Little Liars a little bit, which is that the character development from book to book just instantly, like, reverses itself. Yes. And I don't care about these teens. No. I really don't. Even Serena, who I think is at least a little more fun to read about, like, in this, it's, like, literally every book, it's like, oh, she actually got discovered, and now she has her own perfume. Like, in this book, she's walking in Fashion Week, um, and she wears a shirt that says, I love Aaron on it. For her boyfriend, and then Aaron's like, "Just kidding." Yeah, he's like, it, be with "This you is anymore. too much." Yeah, uh, yeah. I really am having a hard time finding an endpoint. The only thing in this book that it intrigued me in the slightest was the Nate plot line. Yeah, um, which was that Nate gets. I did think this was a little bit funny. So his weed dealer, like that, he was always buying weed at like this pizza shop from. Um, they're like, he's not here anymore. 
And then he goes to the park to try to score some pot, and that guy's there. And then he buys pot from this guy, and then this guy's like, sorry, dude, I'm wearing a wire. Like, they got me. Um, and so then he has to go to rehab where Which he meets— Which is hilarious yeah. because why would you use a drug dealer as a way of busting the people buying, like, misdemeanor amounts of weed? Like, that's so funny. Right. It's like, it's yeah. usually the opposite. Like— you don't care about the 18-year-old kid buying weed, like, under a bridge. Yeah. Like, you use that person to find the dealer. But in, in this case, also, they do the opposite. Also, why would his friend not be like, no, you know what I mean? Like, like his friend should have been like, uh, no, I don't have any on me or whatever. Right. Like, but that's, yeah. I don't know. He's a cop now, so. Yeah. But when he's at rehab, he meets Georgiana Sparks, or Georgina Sparks, who is played by Ice Princess uh, Michelle Trashenberg on the but on the show. obviously not in the book because nobody no. plays anybody in the book. No, no. Um, and it's just them hanging out at rehab. There's nothing interesting about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> like <laughs> that's where it loses yeah. me. Like, but I thought that's what that what held your held your your. That was the plot point you liked, though, wasn't it? I liked the plot point of him being like, "I'm addicted to weed." What am I going to do now oh, that I yeah. can't buy weed anymore? Like, that was the one part that was funny to me was that Nate was, like, fiending for weed, which, like, okay. Yeah. Um, and then it was more fun for me before he actually got sent to rehab when it was like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I'm getting sent to rehab. Well, it's also, like, outpatient rehab. It's just he goes right. to this place every day. He's not, like, in rehab, rehab. Right. Like, I thought he was going to get sent to rehab, rehab. So I was like, oh, I want to read about this. I'm excited. And then it was like, no, he just goes to, like, essentially school for kids who are addicted to to weed. Right. It's like an after-school program. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Sunday he school. Meets, yeah. He meets Georgina Sparks there, and she's, like, an heiress. She lives in this giant house. There's also a snowstorm plot line in this book. Yeah. And I was the like, snow okay, squall. But, uh, and so she... Um, is, like, popping pills all night, and then he saves her from overdosing, essentially. I was like, that's a little dark. But he's like, and I'm her hero. I'm her knight in shining armor. Yeah. Um, Much like Blair, Nate is addicted to creating stories for himself and kind of inserting himself into narratives as a way to um, maybe explain his feelings to himself. Yeah, it's... I, I still don't really understand what, like, drives him as a character because yeah. now we're in the weeds of, like, he's a drug addict, which is, like, no, he's not. He just, like, wants to be stoned all the time. Right. Like, he doesn't have, like, like he's not, like, ruining his life by smoking weed. He's just, like, eating a bunch just of pizza all annoying. the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think— well, let's talk about the Dan and Vanessa stuff because at oh least we get God. some New Yorker stuff. Because Dan's poem comes out in the double issue, the double Valentine's issue of the New Yorker. I'm going to read the description of what they said was the um, the cartoon on the uh, front of this issue of the New Yorker. On his way to Riverside Prep Tuesday morning, Dan stopped at the newsstand on 79th and Broadway to buy the Valentine's Day issue of the New Yorker and a large black coffee that tasted like it had been made three years ago, just the way he liked it. The cover of the New Yorker was an illustration of Noah's Ark docked at a pier in New York Harbor with the Statue of Liberty looming in the background. The words, the love boat, were painted on the side of the ark, and all the animals lined up on the board were holding hands and kissing and groping each other. It was pretty funny. Was it funny? What's the joke here? I mean, the joke is I guess is that it's it was like, the love boat based in New York. 
No. Was it? I don't know yeah. anything about the love I boat. I don't know. I wonder if there's a context that we're missing from these books in an intrigue that is maybe there for people who live in New York or are more familiar with New York than than we are. Because I, I think, think, like, so. s- some of the setting might be part of it. Like, and I'm like, maybe they're writing about, like, real places, but it it's not, you know, in a fun way at all. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't, I can't see, because it's like, even if these books were set in Cincinnati and they were, like, hanging out at, like, I don't know, Sitwell's in, Shitwells. um, Shitwell's, oh, damn, yeah. edgy. Um, yeah. Like, you wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I have to read it, they're in Sitwell's, like, yeah, honestly, I would, though. If if there was Gossip Girl based in Cincinnati, where would they go? Um, so Sitwell's is, like, on University of Cincinnati's kind of off-campus, and it's just, like, a really just, like, bad coffee <laughs> coffee yeah. joint. Um, it just, it was open know. late at night, so, like, if you were, like, a high schooler, yeah. like, who couldn't drink, obviously, like, that was, like, yeah. a place to go at night. Mm-hmm. And drink something, which also, like, I think back on that, I drank a lot of caffeine at night. And, like, now if I drink yeah. a Diet Coke at 4 p.m., like, I'll see you You're in ruined. court. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. that shit, like, like, ruined my life type vibes. Like, Nate going to rehab type situation. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you. Like, maybe, like, the bar at the 21C Museum mm-hmm. Hotel. Um they maybe are up at, at like Mount Adams Tavern, like up above. Yeah. Like, but even that, it's like everything there smells like popcorn. <laughs> They're in an Ace Hardware. Yeah, like they're at the our favorite UDF with Jim. Oh my god, um, we won't get into Jim. Cincy girls know Jim. Um, Cincy girls yeah. know Jim. I yeah, they're like um like Jim like like is always Jim would coming be in and being girl. like. Jim would be gossip. Like, oh, I see Nate and Serena are gonna buy some ice cream. And you Jim, you know, famously <laughs> I don't think he I don't I know we've explained Jim, but Jim is just this man who works at the um Cincinnati, one of the the UDFs that was by uh where both Sophie and I lived, and he's just and uh, like he's famous. Yeah. Your mom he just, Sophie's mom and, and dad both have like UDF connections, and like he was UDF corporate, you know, dear about corporate, know about Jim. Yeah. Yeah. It's just um, this guy. Yeah. Like, Jim is definitely on everyone's radar. I did one time um, after prom. I was there to get ice cream. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people there to buy booze. And Cardinal I'll never Pacelli forget. kids. Yeah, literally Cardinal <laughs> Pacelli kids coming in, coming in to buy cases of Natty Light. This yeah. kid walks up to the counter <laughs> With this case of Natty Light. And Jim's like, can I see your ID? And then the kid kind of goes like, like, kind of like, you know, flinches. And Jim's like, never, like, just kidding. Ha ha, have a good night. (laughs) Jim, no. Never forget. Um, And I literally was sitting there in my prom dress, like, with my fucking friends, like, eating, like, Blue Moo cookies and cream. And, like... My favorite. Still get it to this day. Yeah. Um, I'm still a UDF girl. Um, I'm kind eating- of a homemade ice cream girl. Like, home, the brand homemade. Yeah, like, the brand homemade I really wish good. they sold that in Chicago. Yeah, it's that shit slaps. I mean, yeah. I go to UD. There's a UDF, like, 
right across the street from my school. So I know, I'm there every single day. And here's the thing. My, my Coke hookup. Well, I mean, yeah, your is. Diet Coke. My Diet Coke hookup. hookup yeah. And my Twizzlers hookup. Here's the thing. You're doing Coke through a Twizzler. Yeah. Jim <laughs> like included. Yeah. Jim included UDF hires the 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 best people alive. Like right, the yeah. best employees you will ever meet of a convenience store are the folks who work at UDF. Like the guy who works at um the UDF that I go to, like at the same time, like every mm-hmm. morning. Like the other day, like somebody came in and like stole a bunch of like little Debbies or something, like right before I got <laughs> there. And he like thought it was the funniest thing ever. And like every yeah. like I came in to like get my coffee in the morning because also this is a tip. UDF coffee, it's not great, but it's also fully not drinkable. Bad. Like it's yeah. not like 7-Eleven coffee. Like it mm-hmm. it comes from real coffee beans. Um yeah. And it's also like a dollar. So like, if mm-hmm. the difference is between between and buying you get your like fuel points, yeah, like buying a Starbucks, buying a UDF. Guess what? Yeah. UDF, it's way cheaper. Um, he like, I'm like pouring my coffee, and he's like, "Oh my god, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I have to tell you." Like, someone <laughs> just came in and stole a bunch of little Debbies. That's it was so funny. And I was like, "Yes, King!" Like. <laughs> He was like, I don't even know what to do in this situation. So I'm just like telling everybody. And then like his manager came out and he was like, hey, somebody just stole a bunch of UD- Little Debbies. And the manager was like, why is that my problem? Like, it was yeah. so funny. Like, I fucking love these people. If you are fortunate enough to have a UDF in your neighborhood, that is an underutilized resource. People mm-hmm. are in there like having a blast at all times of the day. Like, You can when- like buy books at UDF. Like yes. UDF, like it's, it's such an interesting because – Basically, it's it's like a gas station convenience store that also sells ice cream. Yeah. Which I guess now that I'm saying it, I'm like, that might be kind of a unique concept. Um, but yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It was a big, big deal. That was a big gathering hole. Yeah. Um, that and the orange leaf, but oh. we don't have to talk about orange leaf. Is orange leaf still a thing? Not not the one in Cincinnati. Now that's an urgent care. Oh, no. Yeah. That's so sad. I know. I spent many a cast party. Dude, Orange Orange Leaf Leaf. cleaned up. Like, that bye-bye weight model is genius. I will never forget I took my, like, when my family had um, that exchange student from China, Mm -hmm. I took him there, and, like, he obviously, you know— like, had never been to a bye-bye-weight frozen yogurt shop before. Um, Don't yeah. think they have those in, like, you know, rural mainland China. And he <laughs> thought it was, like, the kind of situation where it's, like, you just, like, you, like, put as much stuff in there as you possibly can. And I was so pissed because I was paying like the reverse for it. situation. Yeah. yeah, it's, like, no, like, you're really going for, you're, like, what's lighter, like, cheesecake bites or Oreos? yeah. And I remember he, like, filled it all the way up, and I was paying, and his little bucket was, like, $15. Because <laughs> he just was, like, and, of course, you know, he only ate, like, a quarter of it. And I, like, right. yelled at my parents when we got home. I was, like, you made me pay for him, and he filled up the whole thing because he didn't understand it was a bye-bye weight model. <laughs> so pissed. Oh, so my God. funny. Uh, we're avoiding talking about this book because it's I know boring as fuck. Uh, I apologize. Like what? Like what? Uh, what's like something literary we could well, say about this? Well, we got to talk about. We got to go more into the Dan and Vanessa storyline because Dan's story gets his poem gets published. He immediately gets a call from a really glitzy agent who I have to say offended as a tall girl. They kept describing her as being enormous and like <laughs> huge because um, she was over six feet tall. So. 
he immediately gets a call from his agent and then at, simultaneously Vanessa like her short film is being used as the backdrop for um like a fashion week fashion show um and Vanessa and Dan are both independently hit on by kind of people in their scene and Vanessa does not cheat on Dan but Dan does cheat on Vanessa um he uh, it, with this girl named Mystery who's also a poet and then they do a joint poet to get poem together which I'm like that's worse than cheating yeah, uh, I would rather make cheat on me than do a, a joint sexual poem with someone yeah. else. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, we talked about this on the podcast, I believe. Like, if like, you know, like what our respective views on like what we would do if our partners cheated on us. Yeah, and here's the thing about writing a on like, the a Valentine's sexual poem. Day uh, Patreon. Oh, app. Patreon. Yeah. So you can hear our thoughts on cheating if you subscribe to yeah. our Patreon, patreon.com slash girls like a show. But um, I here's the thing about writing a sexual poem with somebody that's worse than cheating. Cheating presumptively happens like in a room with a door closed. Writing yeah. a sexual poem with somebody who is near your partner, like that's for the world to see, honey. Like right, that's exactly. like you, you can do whatever well, you want, poem, but you like, best not embarrass she, like, me. She like almost starts like sucking his dick. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And I think it's really interesting that he immediately gets an agent from just one poem. And he also, they talk about that this, that all of his poems are about dying, like dying of hunger, dying of love, dying of anger. Um, I don't know. And then people are like recognizing him from the New Yorker poem, which I, I have admitted I, I'm New Yorker subscriber. Have I read a poem in the past couple of years I've been subscribed? No. Would I remember the name of someone who wrote a poem in a New Yorker? No. I think that something we have to consider is that this is, this is like 2004. Mm-hmm. And one, like the literary market is like, or the Less magazine saturated. market is booming. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of money to be made in magazines because like people haven't figured out to do that in a good, like how to do that well on the internet yet. Mm-hmm. And like being a literary agent was like a worthwhile career at that time. Yeah. And so like you were picking up anybody who like could even remotely make you money because you had so much work that it was like, who cares if I spend three hours of my week on this? Like, Mm-hmm. 17-year-old kid who wrote a hot poem. If he has literally any potential to make me money, like, that's a win. Yeah. That's exactly. just how I think about it. Um, no, like, that makes sense. the depressing, you know, Candace Bushnell interview that just came out where, like, she was getting paid, like, $5,000 a month in, like, 2000 which is, like, you know, like, almost $10,000 a month in, like, yeah. um, like, 2022 money to write like 2,000 word pieces. I mean, no wonder Carrie could afford the stuff she did. If that's what Carrie was getting paid. Yeah. Wow. I know. It's like now you have to do something dumb like be a lawyer <laughs> to <laughs> make any money. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I hate Dan and I also hate Vanessa. Yeah, I, I I guess honestly, like Vanessa is my favorite character because I'm like at least she is a little bit interesting to read about. Um, whereas I feel like Dan is just like I guess going into this, I assumed that he would maybe be like the moral center. 
oh, yeah, of no. the books, and he's really not. Um, he's just a bad person. But um, he acts like, like he's the moral center. Yeah. Which is the worst part, is that he's yeah. like, oh, Vanessa is disgusting. Like, yeah. she's such a fucking slut. Like, that's why I'm cheating on her. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care well, about anybody did, in this yeah. book. <laughs> no, the care. plot did not move forward for anyone in this book, other no. than, of course— I guess Georgina is introduced and then Blair gets a haircut. Like, literally, I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying, like, most of this book's plot was, is Blair going to get this haircut? Does the haircut look good? What do other people think about the haircut? Right. Um, yeah. This is a good— Gossip Girl is having a birthday party in the next book. So, unless they skip over that, we'll get to see, like, maybe people interacting. Franny, you're so Around naive. Gossip Girl. I don't think they're going to interact with her, but I'm I'm hoping that maybe we will get an acknowledgement from the main characters that Gossip Girl exists. And then also, I'm like, why is she writing about Vanessa? Why does Gossip Girl care about Vanessa? Why yeah, does Gossip Girl... Oh, well, we're miss- the other thing is the early admission thing is Vanessa gets oh, early admission yeah. to NYU and Aaron, Blair's stepbrother slash Serena's now ex-girlfriend. Yeah, he, boyfriend, he gets into um, Harvard. Which is like whatever, yeah. Um, easy, I, yeah, easy. I could do it. Yeah, it's super easy, actually. Yeah, it's so easy. Um, I think that you're naive. I don't think we're gonna hear about gossip. You Girl's think we're gonna skip party. over it? I don't because think at that- the end, Chuck is handing out flyers, and everyone's like, "Is this for his coming out party?" Because he's gay. They're like, "No, it's for Gossip Girl's par- birthday party. She's turning 18. I just don't, I'm trying not to get my hopes up because Mm -hmm. so far, like these last, like we loved the first book. Mm -hmm. We did. Yeah. The second book, we were like, you know, Mm -hmm. we're retaining hope. And then these last two books have been so miserable to read. Like, yeah, I liked reading Before I Fall because at least that inspired emotion. An emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, these literally do not stimulate my brain in any way. Like, there's nothing There's nothing to deconstruct. It's also, like, on the nose, like, painfully Mm -hmm. obvious. The fact that, like you have been reiterating, 50% of the book is genuinely about a character in a book getting a haircut, a character who we can't see, a character whose physical appearance Mm -hmm. actually doesn't mean much to us as readers, even though we're told over and over again it should. Like, it's exhausting, and I feel like this is a good. This is maybe a good message to writers: is that like if your book has a girl getting a haircut in it, like it should be illustrated. Yeah, we needed like a diagram. Yeah, because also like not everybody knows what an Audrey Hepburn haircut looks like. I honestly like didn't really like. I guess I kind of do, but I also think like the obsession with Audrey Hepburn is really boring. I'm yeah. like, what? Why did she care so much about her? I don't know because it's like. New York girl classic. What and I'm like, like would this boring girl really be like, like? I like. Oh, I'm gonna rewatch all these movies with Audrey Hepburn in them. I don't know. It's fucking miserable. I like. I think like we're also like touching on like at least with like the click like because this is also I think trying to be like you know do satire about New York teens and it's like at least with the click like stuff happened that was interesting and fun. And I think, like, honestly, like, the crutch of this author leaning on sex and drugs yeah, um, makes it so much less interesting. Like, Lisi had to at least be creative with how she was. Yes, you're so right. Yeah. You're so right. I haven't thought about it like that before. But, yeah, but when you don't have this 
idea of sex and drugs as, like, an instant way of being, like, these kids are off the rails, then, like, you don't have anything. Because literally half of this book is them being, like, and then they're going to go to this place and drink champagne. And I'm like, why do I, as a 24-year-old woman, care where the fuck anybody goes to drink champagne? I think that's what I, what I was saying earlier about, like, the New York stuff. It's like, at least you'd be like, oh, they're going there. Like, maybe maybe we would understand. I don't I know don't if these places so. are real. I mean, I know the stores are. They're, they're like, the places about, like, are and, real. But the yeah. problem is that that instantly dates the material. Mm. Right? Because restaurants, it's such a high, like, turnover rate of restaurants. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So, like, a lot of these yeah. restaurants, like, don't exist anymore. So, right. it's like, why do I care where they're going? I just don't think, I don't think that teens in New York want to read, or teens or tweens in New York want to read about people going out in New York. Like, yeah, they like just go do news. it. Yeah. Right. Like, that's why I think Yeah, I don't think teens in New York are reading, so. That's true. They're too <laughs> busy, like, doing meth at Governor's Ball. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I just don't like, and I also think that this author is not very smart. Like, that's the other thing. I don't think. That's what's so grating about the Dan character is she's like, I'm really making fun of intellectuals here. And it's like, but you're not really. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Let's. What do you think is something that could make these books better? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that. Murder. Yeah. Yeah. I think that more sex. Like, I genuinely think that, and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't often say that about a book for children, but I think that that, I think that sex in books, even, like, deviant sex, and maybe sex that's, like, not fully positive, like, I think that it's a good model Mm -hmm. and safe way for children to experience and experiment with their sexuality and sex in general. Like, I think what's a little hard about these books is like sex is such a big plot point and and yet yeah like it's not explored at all in any real and that was kind of what was interesting about the first book about Blair being like I want to lose my virginity and it's going to be like a movie it was like that was at least interesting but the Dan and Vanessa thing Dan is just all of a sudden like super horny yeah and he's like I'm gonna fuck any living creature that you know comes across me um I don't know yeah I think that I don't know I didn't mind that because like I think that they did kind of explain it where like all of a sudden like he like didn't really like think about the mechanics of sex at all and Mm -hmm. like his only experience of sex was through like literature which he then says more inspiration yeah like it like he was like oh like after he has sex for the first time he's like oh literature is such a bad way of describing sex like it's so it's such a singular experience like I'm so Mm -hmm. happy to be having sex um and it's I don't know like uh, like whatever I, that does mm-hmm. explain it a little bit. I just don't. I don't care about him as a character, right? So it's like whatever. Like I don't know. I, I this is so boring because this book is so boring. I'm trying to mm-hmm. think of like anything astute to say about it. I, I think. Oh, that- let me read the description of when they're like Chuck looks gay. Oh yeah, this is fun. Okay. Um, yo, dude. Dan heard a familiar, conceited voice of his least favorite Riverside prep classmate behind him. Dan stopped walking and turned around to see Chuck Bass flapping his signature, flipping his signature navy blue monogrammed cashmere scarf over one shoulder and running his manicured fingers through his brown and blonde highlighted hair. Nice poem in the New Yorker, man. He gave Dan a congratulatory clap on the shoulder. Congratulatory clap on the shoulder. His monogram pinky ring glittering in the winter sunlight. Who knew you were such a stud? Was there something distinctly gay about Chuck Bass these days? 
Or perhaps not, just because he'd gotten blonde highlights and was wearing a slim, cream-colored wool coat by Ralph Lauren and orange leather Prada sneakers didn't mean he'd given up molesting defenseless drunken girls at parties. Perhaps he was simply expressing himself. So this I feel is like what the I... creep to gay uh, pipeline that yeah. this author is inventing, I'm not a fan of. And that's what I also don't like about the, um, like, it's not subtle at all. There's nothing, mm-hmm. like, there's nothing like, oh, like, Chuck, you know, like, oh, Chuck's wearing these cool sneakers. And then, like, a couple chapters later, like, oh, Chuck, like, has cool hair. It's like, no, all at once. So, like, Chuck, remember when you saw him two books ago? Well, now he looks totally different, and that's because he looks fucking yeah. gay. Like, there's yeah. no nuance. There's nothing interesting about it. I hate it. Like, leave me alone. Yeah, and it really is like, well, he's hypersexual, so he's gay. Like, gay people will, yeah. It's not even like that. It's like, oh, he's hypersexual, so, like, who knows? Because, like, he'll just do anything. Or, like, he's moved on. Like, he's ran out of girls, and he's like, well, I'm gay now. Yeah, like, that's more of the implication that bothers me is that, like, sexuality for him is just, like— It's like a quota. Anything and everything. Exactly. Yeah. And none of it is good or consensual. No. Or anything. I don't know. Like, I I don't—there's—most of the characters in this novel serve no purpose, but Mm -hmm. him in particular. It's like he doesn't even—none of the other characters even like him or want to hang out with him. Like Right, they're all like, oh, I hate Chuck. And he hasn't even gotten them, like, access to parties or anything in the last couple of books. No No one's using his suite to party at the hotel. He hasn't done anything. Yeah. God, I hate these books. Yeah. Uh, Please let me know, like— when you were a child reading these, listener, like, what was what was bringing you back, like, book after book to read these? Because I'm having a really hard time finding what that is. Like, was it just the wealth porn aspect of it? Or, like, was mm-hmm. there something else you found intriguing about it? Did you identify with one of the characters? Like, get us in kid brain for this a little bit, because I think we're right. struggling to do that. We haven't been um, kid-pulled yet, so. Yeah. I need yeah. to, like— I don't know. Maybe if I, like, lay in bed tonight and chew some gum and stick it under the mattress, then I will, like, start to, like, heal my inner child and be able to read these books in a way that— If we—because I just had the delightful experience of having to do taxes with this podcast for the first time. Um, Oh, my God. It's so fun. Um, but maybe if we claim that we need to be kid-pilled for the podcast, then we can put anything pillow for it. We can just write it off. Yeah, I think that that's— I think yeah. that we can write off anything. Like, there's a lot of people write off shit all the time. There's no reason we can't write off like the Drew Barrymore kid line for Walmart. Yeah, I'm like, it's for our on our taxes. Exactly. Yeah, that definitely exists. Um, yeah. All right. Hopefully, we'll have you know more fun things to say about Gossip Girl in the future than we did today. But until then, you can subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/GirlsLikeUsShow. You can review us. Um, Now, as I've said before, I believe there are reviews on Spotify. Um, So you can review us on both Apple and Spotify. Those reviews Mm -hmm. are very helpful to us. Give us five stars. Tell us you love the podcast. Um, You know, good vibes only. Sophie will read them. I won't. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, to be honest, I don't read them a lot. My aunt will read them. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Will she tell Um, you? Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Um, and I won't read them cause I don't care about, I, I, I won't read them because I am scared and I don't yeah, like, right. Uh, She's afraid somebody's going to cancel form. us. Yeah. No, I'm just afraid someone's going to be like, this bitch sucks. Yeah. I, when people are like, they don't say anything smart. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's fine. Like, see, to me, yeah. I'm like, like, it just feels like confirmation of what I already know to be true. So it's like, right. if you I feel know. So it's, it's like looking in a mirror in a bad right. way. So if you feel the need to tell us we suck, honey, get in just line. know that I'm doing behind that to me. myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally <laughs> get in line behind me. Um, yeah. Like just know that I already feel that way. So you don't have to tell me, um, right. I'm already there. Um, you can follow our Frolic Sorority. You can find some of our Frolic Sorority sisters at frolic.media slash podcast. And um, check out our friend, our producer, Jesus Christ, <laughs> my mind tonight. Um, check out our producer, Camden Stacy. He's and at Cam Stacy on social media. He's also our friend, but you know what I mean. It's like, like mm-hmm. if I were just to just say check out our friend, check I feel out like my it friend. doesn't. Yeah, like check out my friend. Do it. Um, yeah. I feel like it doesn't carry as much weight. Um, and as always, our theme music is by the wickedly talented one and only Leggy. All right, have a great week, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Oh